The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The war to crush Hamas will last more than several months. The White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is due to meet a Palestinian Authority official or two later on today in the West Bank. Now joining me is Fawaz Gerges, who's Professor in International Relations at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Fawaz, good morning and welcome. Good morning to you. You have been saying that you've never seen such rage against the United States right across the region. Uh, Truly, by the way, I've been teaching and writing about the Middle East for quite a few decades. Uh, I have never seen the region as boiling and as explosive. And I'm talking about really people. I'm not talking about governments because, you know, in, in most of the Western nations, they basically focus on top-down, not on bottom-up. Um, if you ask an Egyptian or an Iraqi or Algerian or Moroccan or even uh, Malaysian or Indonesians, uh, they say this is not really uh, Israel's war um, against Hamas. This is America's war against the Palestinians. There is so much anger and rage Uh, among Arabs and Muslims against not only Israel, but against the United States and the United Kingdom. Uh, They accuse Biden not only being complicit uh, in Netanyahu's war in Gaza, uh, but also directly participating in the war. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, um, I talk to people, you read newspapers, magazines, protests, uh, people in the regions that say, look, Uh, American ammunition, American guns, American shells, American tanks, American money, American vetoes, political backing, um, and even even American officials, including the U.S. president and his secretary of state, and even just Jack Sullivan, his White House national security advisor, have participated in Israel's war rooms. This is the extent to which really people in the region view the United States, um, you know, and the war that's taking place in Gaza. Um, You've also been saying that the Biden foreign policy is really not so different to the Trump foreign policy, only paying lip service to the two-state solution uh, while allowing Israel to settle more Palestinian land. You know, in the past two years or so, the Biden has not made any major investment in trying to really even start the peace process because the consensus within the uh, Biden administration, and I'm not saying anything original or new, the consensus within the Biden administration is that the political costs of trying to really pressure Netanyahu and the Israeli government to begin the political process outweigh any benefits. So it was really all about electoral politics, domestic politics. President Biden did not really want to squander any political capital. Uh, So what did they do? They tried to really build on Trump's foreign policy by really trying to normalize relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And the Israeli government was delighted because in the, as Netanyahu has repeatedly said, repeatedly, publicly, he said, if we normalize relations with Saudi Arabia, the land of the holiest place in Islam where Prophet Muhammad was born. It means for Israel and the Israeli elite, the end of the Palestine-Israel conflict, the end of any kind of an idea of Palestinian state. And what happened on the 7th of October, the bloody and murderous attack 
by Hamas on the 7th of October has shown the world that Palestine continues to matter a great deal, that the Palestinians cannot be managed, that the Palestinians cannot be controlled, even though, even though most Palestinians, I would argue, and most people in the region don't really sanction the killing of civilians as Hamas did on the 7th of October. Now, the problem for Biden would be dealing with someone like Netanyahu, who is the elected uh, prime minister of Israel, um, who's in deep trouble domestically anyway, um, facing potential criminal charges. Um, So you can interpret everything that he does through the prism of saving his own skin. And what do you do when you're negotiating with a prime minister like that? Well, I mean, before we ask this question, we also have to also uh, mention to your audience that President Biden embraced Netanyahu, that President Biden green-lighted Netanyahu's uh, onslaught on Gaza, that President Biden boasts about being a, a Zionist, that Israel has the right to defend itself, you know, absolutely, uh, that, yes, uh, he even he even when when he, when 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 journalists like yourself asked him about Palestinian casualties, he said he does not trust Palestinian figures about the dead and the injured. Imagine the president of the United States, even though his most important official, who's in charge of tallies of casualties in the White House, in her testimony before the Congress, she was asked, "Do you believe the numbers given by the?" Uh, Gaza health authorities. She said, quote, unquote, public information. We believe that the numbers, the number of casualties offered by the Palestinian, by, by, by the Gaza authority are much higher. The real numbers of casualties. And so far, just to remind your audience, 18,800 Palestinians have been killed so far. And more than 50,000 Palestinians have been injured and more than 1.9 Palestinians, 1.9 millions out of 2.3 million Palestinians have been displaced. Imagine yourself, you're an island. Imagine the population. If 90 percent of the population of Ireland become displaced, their people are starved, battered killed. There is no safe place in Gaza. The United Nations humanitarian officials are begging the world to stop the catastrophe in Gaza. And guess what? The Americans keep telling the Israelis, oh, please protect civilians. Oh, we believe the Israelis are listening to us continuously in the past in the past six weeks. These are facts. This is not really, it's not about politics. You, you have also speak. said that effectively now, Hamas speaks for the Palestinians. Sadly and tragically. And the irony was and is is that Hamas was very unpopular before the 7th of October. Only 20% of people in Gaza basically said that Hamas was doing a good job. Hamas does not have a vision for the Palestinians. Hamas does not really have a blueprint. But what has happened in Gaza in the past two months, the onslaught, the killings, the butchering, and the fact more and more Palestinians are now look at Hamas as basically their vanguard, their defender. Hamas is standing up to Israeli military occupation. Hamas is bloodying the Israel's nose. And also because the Palestinian Authority is in a coma, does not really have any moral authority. 
both the United States and Israel have undermined, have weakened the Palestinian Authority and also it's very corrupt. Now, the question for the Palestinians that they ask themselves, uh, who really cares about us? Because I was reading uh, a study conducted by the Conrad Adenauer Programme for Jewish-Arab Cooperation at Tel Aviv University, and it found that almost half of the surveyed Arab Israelis supported Israel's response to the October 7th attack by Hamas, uh, 47%. Felt that it was justified what they did. Forty-four percent did not, um, and about half believed that the attack on October the seventh did not contribute in any way to a solution uh, to the Palestinian problem. Um, can you explain that to us? Why uh, Israeli Arabs would feel that it was right and proper for the IDF to go in hard on Gaza? Well. It's one thing to say, and this is where the nuance, we have to be very nuanced. It's one thing to say that for Arab Israelis to say that Israel should strike, I mean, against Hamas, as opposed to the civilians. The question on the table now, this is not a war just on Hamas. This is a war against the Palestinian population. When you have, when you have more than 85% of the Palestinian population displaced, Many United Nations, and this is many United Nations officials fear that the ultimate aim of Israel is mass displacement of Palestinians. They want the Palestinians to go to Sinai. And also what what we need to remind your audience is that Palestinian Arabs, are they're terrified. They're also being discriminated against. They're not really treated as full-class citizens. They're terrified that what what happened on the 7th of October could have major existential, basically, implications for them in, in, in Israel proper. Uh, so so the, it, it's a very complex reality. Now, Fawaz, how do you see all of this playing out? I mean, the Israelis have said uh, a, a few months before they will have achieved their uh, strategic objectives against Hamas, but uh, any commentator we've been speaking to says uh, they may have, if you like, a short-term victory but long-term, they've exacerbated their problem. But how do you see it ending? Will the United States um, perhaps see the light and force Netanyahu to stop the hostilities sooner rather than later? And then Netanyahu knows, presumably, that his position will be lost. Two points. The first point is that Netanyahu takes American arms, ammunition and money and does what he does. This is, we know about Netanyahu, the Israelis know about Netanyahu. In fact, he might use his differences with the Biden administration to win a, another electoral uh, um, uh, victory in the next year or so. His political future now, Netanyahu's political future, depends on the prolonged war in Gaza. Because he knows once the guns are fall silent, the Israeli public is going to take him to task transparency. He failed on the 7th of October. The second point, what's happening in in Gaza now, Israel is breaking Gaza. Israel will own Gaza. Gaza will most likely come to haunt Israel for many years to come in the same way that Iraq and Afghanistan haunted America for many years to come. Sadly, nothing good will come out of this really tragedy. I really don't see a light at the end of the tunnel because I don't see really global leadership. 
the United States, I mean, imagine 154 nations voted in the United Nations uh, just a few days ago for a ceasefire. Only 10 nations, the United States mainly basically voted against a ceasefire without American leadership. Where are you going to have a global leadership? Because Europe is paralyzed. The Security uh, Council is paralyzed. And guess what? Today, yesterday and today, Israeli officials said, Netanyahu made it very clear, he will never, ever accept a Palestinian state. And not just Netanyahu, across the board, the no. Israeli elite. So where do we go from here? The question of uh, what is called the Arab street, ordinary people, you've been talking about them uh, in various countries across the uh, the Muslim world, have felt aggrieved by what has happened to the Palestinians. But truly, do the Palestinians have friends who will say, come to us and live among us? I mean, you're asking a, a very important question here that the Palestinians have really been forsaken by the entire world, including their Arab neighbors. I mean, the, the entire normalization process really is basically comes at the cost of Palestinian aspirations for self-determinations. And also what we need to understand is that Arab nations, in particular when you're talking about Lebanon and Syria and Jordan, where Palestinian refugees live, they suffer from major economic crisis. I mean, the dismal economic and social situation. Um, but on the whole, when it comes to Palestine, the, the, the Palestine question, it resonates deeply in the Arab and the Islamic imagination. This is one of the most important fault lines. I mean, whether you're talking about Iraqis, whether you're talking about Yemenis, whether you're talking about Syrians, whether you're talking about Lebanese, they're, they're being killed now in really limited support for the Palestinian in Gaza. So the situation is not really as, as simple as, well, look, what, why shouldn't the Arab street come to the aid of the Palestinians? How can the Arab street come or the Arab public opinion comes to the aid of the Palestinians where there is no freedom in most Arab countries, where the Arab regimes basically are beholden to American support? They're reliant on the American security umbrella. I mean, look what's happening in Egypt and in Jordan and in Iraq and other countries. Uh, they're basically... Uh, those regimes depend on American foreign aid, they depend on American military arms, and they would not allow, they will not accept any kind of really um, uh, public demonstration uh, or even activation of support for the Palestinians in Gaza. Fawaz Gergais, Professor of International Relations at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.